Hi, this is Brad Leland, and I play Buddy Garrity on Friday Night Lights. You're listening to the FNL Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Friday Night Lights podcast. Tonight, we'll discuss the episode Laboring, which is the penultimate episode here of, of the fourth season of Friday Night Lights. I'm Blake, and today with us, we have Russ. Hey. And Lyle. Hey, what's going on? I think we're all we're all here together and looking forward to, uh, to I guess, one more episode to talk about after this one. But uh, first things first, uh, what did y'all think of the Lost season premiere? Uh, well, Lyle and I actually talked about this already, and uh, I liked it. I'm kind of unsure as to what they're going to do with the two timelines going yeah. at the same time. Um, I like to reserve judgment because I'm very skeptical about that, but uh, I like all the stuff that's going on on the island. I just don't know what they're trying to do with the reset or however they want to say that. Because obviously those are two different time frames too. I just don't know how those things are going to come together again. Yeah, I, see. Um, I thought it was okay, but I've completely stopped trying to keep up. Like I just watch it when it comes on, and I don't read about. It. Like it's impossible for me to keep up. I've never repeated an episode. I've never seen an episode more than once. I've lost. So yes, yeah, so it's completely. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> really, at any time, I'm just like, oh yeah, I vaguely remember that person in some capacity from five years ago. I liked it. I was I was pumped for it, and uh, seeing the dual timelines, like Russ said, I think it brings a lot of uh, questions still there. But I think I have faith in those writers. As we said we have faith in the writers here of, of Friday Night Lights. But um, I think you know we've joked around before about that some of the aspects of Friday Night Lights almost seems lost-ish with the. Not knowing what time things are or the locations of things, and did Dylan move from here to there as it's X amount of hours from Austin, but then Y amount of hours from Dallas and things like that. So, anyway. oh, I have a lot more faith in the writers of Friday Night Lights than of Lost. <laughs> I don't think for a second that they're going to tie everything up on Lost. Well, I don't. I don't expect them to tie every little loose end up. I just there's big things that I, I mean. One of the biggest questions of the entire thing is, what is that weird smoke thing? We Well, we have pretty much the most definitive answer they're ever going to give us Probably for that, same. you know, um, with the uh, premiere. I hope, I hope this alternate timeline isn't something that stretches the entire season, and then they just kind of reconcile that, like, one or two weeks, with one or two weeks left, because that would be too much time spent on another storytelling device that I really don't have that much interest in. I'm ready for them to get down to, all right, everybody's on the island. This is what we're shooting for. So let's do this, yep. whatever it is. Yep. Yeah. Well, back to uh, to Dylan, Texas. Um, I, you know, we've been saying for quite a while that the this episode has been a downer. This episode has been one that seems to be uh, kind of more depressing or dark, and the hits keep on coming. I, this is one that seems more depressing, and I'm afraid that they've set it up that the only way things can can end on a good note is if Dylan wins. I mean, if, excuse me, East Dylan wins against the Dylan Panthers. And um, are y'all still thinking that's where things are leading? I, mean, I hope not. Obviously, yeah. I hope not either. But I don't see how they can get around it now. But it just it it makes it even more improbable. They have to play on West Dylan's field. 
Luke's not going to be playing. Like, this is really – it's going to be an absolute shocker. This will be Chaminade, Virginia all over again. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're setting it up for – Yeah. And for in, interest of full disclosure, uh, I was distracted when I was watching it because I was uh, monitoring the computer usage of – a bunch of teenage gangbangers while I work, where I work, while I was watching it today. I didn't get a chance to watch it until today, so <laughs> I might have missed out on a few of the small details. Well, I was going to say, are we sure that Luke is not going to play? Because I, he kept wanting to go out there. He was saying he's good to go, and then Coach at first was pretty harsh with him, just saying, you know, you just go fill up the, fill up the uh, Gatorade jug and things like that and all, but then he – came back to him and was like, Luke, I apologize or sorry, whatever. But he says, I want you just to concentrate on getting better. So do you think there's a, a, at least a glimmer of hope that Luke may be able to play or at least come in second half and be like the savior of the East of the Lions? Second half? He'll come in in the last 40 seconds. <laughs> Run the Wildcat? Yeah. Yeah. Landry kicks a 40-yard field goal. Um, I, I wish that he would have just said, like, this is why I'm so mad at you. You know, like, yeah. those are the kind of things that I wish that he would just be like, hey, you know what? I'm under a lot of pressure and stress right now. My job's really kind of on the line. You know, like, my livelihood kind of depends on me treating you all right. And, you know, if it came out that you were playing injured and there was speculation that I was a part of that, then I'd get in a huge amount of trouble, too. Right. And forget Landry. Forget Landry kicking a field goal. I'm going this far. I will predict the last sequence of plays right now. All right. They can have a field goal to tie it, but coach says, "Oh, what have we got to lose? We're not getting the playoffs anyway." And land on a fake field goal, Landry throws a touchdown pass. Direct snap to the kicker. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That is, that's it. Fake field goal, touchdown pass from Landry. Because he can throw it 40 yards. I don't know if he can kick it 40 yards. I know. It's going to go back to Coach raising his eyebrow that time when they were playing the pickup game and Landry threw a bomb. Yeah, but and he gets his name right. For the last time that he ever talks to him, he gets his name right. I like they pulled out the lance again. That was uh, that was classic there. Yeah, twice. Because, you know, I thought he did that at the beginning of the season when he saw him in the cafeteria. You know, after after the forfeit, you know, I thought in the cafeteria he called him Lance, but I had to I looked at it again and he actually did call him Landry. But – um you know, you'd think by now that he would have at least seen him throw a time or two on the sidelines or in practice. We well, you know he had to see him at least once because he had to practice that play, that uh, that you know fake pitch, and then he threw it down there to Vince or Luke, whoever it was that caught it. But yeah, I, with with Lander being this his last regular season, um, he seemed to kind of not. I don't know. We've had so many new characters coming in. Um, he's not had as much ability to shine, and of course he was gone completely last episode, I guess. But or one before that, but uh, I I, would, I could see that happening. Although it still seems too gimmicky. I, I don't. I, I have to confess that I don't like the way that that they've closed out the season so far because we have. That's the only thing that that really will redeem like the characters. I, I would love it. I mean, let's be honest. The game even if they don't win, which I'd be shocked by now if they're not going to win, but that game's going to be close, you know. It's going to go down to the last second. Um, but I, I just don't like the way everything is so messy. And I actually thought that this week was a little bit lighter than than uh, last week because you had some 
like endearing moments, I guess. Right. But there were um, some good things that happened, like you say. Vince ended up not going and you know shooting the guy in the trap house. I never heard of the that uh, that what you call it, that term before a trap house. Have you heard that before, Lyle? No, that's shotgun house. Is what we always call it. Well, he did have a shotgun no. waiting on him, uh, or he's supposed well, yeah. to. <laughs> but uh, you know, he he came back and didn't do it. So I thought that was a good moment. But then I, I didn't pick up on that at first when when Vince called Landry over and said, "Landry, you're a good dude. You know, treat you know, make sure you make her happy." I didn't realize that was his swan song. He thought at first, like I may I may not come back. Did y'all um, pick up on that? My question about that whole deal is um, this dude. Kennard or Kennard or whatever his name is, how old is he? Because he's running with Calvin Brown and Vince, but apparently he also was running with Vince's dad, who we don't know. I mean, we don't know anything about Vince's dad. Apparently he died. Right. But, I assume he's mid-20s. I assume mid-20s is my guess, you know, because he could have been, you know, a younger kid running around or just being close to the, I guess, the environment where Luke's, I mean, Luke, where yeah. Vince's dad was being a thug because he said your your dad was a straight up thug and all. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I fear for him for Vince now because Kennard said, you know, I'm not I'm not going to forget this you know, after he popped him in the jaw with with his pistol. Here's my prediction about that though: I predict that the Riggins rat out that dude and he gets put in jail and it cleans up both storylines so neatly. And I don't want that to happen because that that just seems like lazy writing. But I think that's what's going to happen because everything is so doom and gloom right now for everybody, and they have to end it on a father's note. Well, well, speaking of the Riggins, you know, I thought that it, I thought that it started off well for them, and you know, Billy chugging I, like rock star energy drink or whatever it was, and uh, going in, then finally naming his son Hannibal. But uh, <laughs> you know, he's. Uh, Tim's there giving out cigars, and they have that tender moment there looking over. And I guess a couple of days passed, or they got to go home with the baby the same day. That was awfully fast, another another timeline shift, it seems like. But, uh, you know, they were feeling good about things, and then, you know, Tim starts rocking out his air guitar, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was he was shredding. But, uh, you know, then he, get, he gets thrown in into the pokey there, and he and Billy both. And uh, that's the second time we've seen Tim Riggins cry. I think if you count when Street got to go home and or be with his his little baby and her mom, her mom and all, his mom. If, if you remember last week, I said I was going to be very disappointed if the Riggins child did not have some horrible redneck name. There you go. And I'm not. I'm not disappointed. <laughs> Is Hannibal? Does that the qualify? Only thing, I'm almost sure that he named him after the guy from the A team instead of the general who crossed the oh. Alps. I don't to, think he knows that. Yeah, I don't think he knows who that general is. <laughs> yeah, he, he just either. saw the Silence of the Lambs a lot and was like, "Damn, that creepy." Oh, that was, yeah, that would have been okay too. But, but if he named him after the historical Hannibal, then I'll be disappointed. I'm going with A Team. I think A Team also. Uh, Stephen Hannibal actually redeems it. If they call him Hannibal, or did didn't that what they said? Stephen Hannibal, or did he right. say Meet Hannibal? No, he gave all three names. Uh, okay. Stephen Hannibal Riggins. So if they call him, I tell you one thing, I bet that guy plays football. <laughs> I bet he will be a football player. Well, if his dad's in jail, he may not, you know, we don't know. 
That's there are plenty that's, of football players whose dads are in jail. Very good. Maybe point. it'll be in the NBA instead. <laughs> well, <laughs> do you think from the the Riggins timeline, and I have not looked at the next week on, on Friday Night Lights, the previews yet, but do you think they stay in jail or do you think there's some miraculous spring that happens? I mean, you, you pushed forth an idea of him ratting out on uh, Gennard. I just think that's, I, that's my prediction of what's going to happen. As soon as I saw that, I was like, well, they have to find a way to – wrap both those up, and that seems like the neatest way to do it, and it's like they're too far into it to not do something that's too neat, you know, it's like they need to start wrapping storylines up this week, you know, Wednesday night, they needed to do it, and they did. I almost wish that Tim would just go to jail to protect his brother, and that's it, and he gets like three years, and that's how he's off the show, and I don't exactly know why I wish that, it's just because every character's always had a happy ending. I can see him doing that for Billy, knowing that Billy's got a a kid now and and got you know all that to support. I can see him doing that easily. Yeah, it seems like uh, it's more realistic to me. It's a way to, you know, I don't know. He, it, you just kind of see that happening when they set up. He's like, "I'm happy. I'm finally happy." You can't have a happy Tim Riggins. (laughs) Do you think? What do you think about when uh, Becky came and told Tim, "I love you, Tim," and um. I was thinking, no, 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 no. And then he ended up, you know, saying, I, I can't do this and walked away. I, I thought that was a pretty poignant moment. I kind of thought it was weird and creepy and uncomfortable. <laughs> weird and creepy, how? <laughs> uh, it's just weird, man. Uh, this girl just comes up. I love you just out of the blue. It just creeped me out. I don't know why. Well, we've known it. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe because she just had an abortion like three days before that with some other guy's baby. <laughs> yeah, that's why it weirded me out a little bit. <laughs> and he's hooked up with her mom. Yeah, exactly. Right. What were you want to say, Russ? Uh, no, I was talking about how I, I was wondering how many times like that piece of land must be like the most romantic spot on the face of the planet because he keeps bringing her out there, and it's like, and then he, it's like he's almost caught off guard when she hits on him. Like, you go out there when the sun sets every, like, once a week, and then you're like, oh, this isn't happening. I'm, it, I'm almost to the point, I think that I've changed my thoughts on the Becky thing. I think I'm okay with them, like, being together or whatever. You know? Oh, like, yeah. I don't think it's that creepy anymore, just because there's, they're only three years apart, and my wife and I are four years apart. And I know it's weird when you're in high school or whatever, but I'm like, whatever. I knew guys that were seniors that dated freshman girls, but li- actually dated, not just, you know. Did you know any guys who beat up the father of their girlfriend, slept with her mom, coached the father of her aborted child, and then they got together? Um, <laughs> because that's a lot of baggage. Not, not that I'm aware of. Okay. Not, not to say it didn't ever happen in my hometown. Oh, um, and also was wanted for uh, running a chop shop. Great Sorry, awesome. I left that out. Yeah, there's that's a, a lot of variables there that uh, that's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Speaking of Riggins being a coach, they actually noticed when he wasn't in practice. <laughs> yes. They're like, where's Tim Riggins? I think his brother's <laughs> having a baby. But that's a funny yeah. thing. He goes, well, I put a note on your desk. He goes, well, next time tell me face-to-face. And he started telling him. He's like, I know where he is. Here's my question about that. How does that guy get the information from Riggins and coach not know? Like, how does that information get to him? Like, you know what I mean? I think Billy. I think Billy got confused and drove to Sears instead of the hospital. <laughs> uh, Coach Stan. He's not very bright. 
We've been talking for like 10 minutes and haven't referenced Billy's bikini underwear. <laughs> that was on oh, <laughs> yeah. That was a great I mean, What would you like to say about it, Russ? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a little much. I did not expect to say it. It took me I back to the say- scene when he uh, he took a leak in the in the kitchen sink because Lila was there in the in the toilet like last season, oh. the season before. Were, uh, were y'all expecting to see uh, a Tyra reunion there? I mean, her sister had a baby. I didn't even think about that, to be honest. I thought that uh, there would be some kind of awkward moment where Tim walked into the hospital and she was there. I thought that they were going to show her, too, just because it's the first time. I think, isn't it like the first time we've seen their mom all? Yeah, I think so. Season? I don't remember seeing Miss so, Colette at all this uh, this whole season, so good to see her again. You know, to me, Miss Collette will always be Fletch's love interest. <laughs> wow. Isn't that her? I don't think so. I think that's. I think she's on the original Fletch. We'll have to check that out. I could be, on, so I, what I could be he's wrong. like, can I borrow your towel? I just ran over a water buffalo? Yes. I think her. Was like 12 times. And I can't I could be wrong. What that, what that girl looks like. She might. It's her. It's her. I just picked up the DVD box. Daniel Wheeler Nicholson. Oh, you have the DVD um, handy. <laughs> yes. It happened to be sitting there. Nice. Right. Well, I was wrong. What uh, What did you think about how in, in, intense the events was when when Jess came to talk to him and try to convince him not to go? And then he, I thought he was about to – I didn't think he would, but then I almost thought he got to the point where he was going to like slam her up against the wall and be too physical with her about, I got to do this, when he screamed, I'm a monster. And uh, I thought that was yeah. pretty pretty intense there. I actually laughed because there's a book called Monster about some uh, horrible gangbanger that the kids I work with always read. You're not talking <laughs> about the movie with uh, Charlie Theron? No, there's a, there's a famous uh, book called Monster about this dude named Cody Scott who's like the original gang enforcer guy, and he killed all these people. And uh, the kids I work with think that it's the greatest book ever. They think it's like Shakespeare. Never read that. Huh. No, there's no need to trust me. Gotcha. And you know, I think we mentioned it last week when Eric and Buddy were at the uh, at the bar. Um, but Eric again is it seems like he's drinking more and more. He's even drinking at the supper table now. Got his long neck, which I don't. I'm, he may have done that before, but you know, it seems like he's he's under so much pressure that that's kind of his his special sauce that he's going to more and more. I don't know if that'll be something that'll show up. Next episode, next season, but it seems to be more and more of a common theme. We haven't had an alcoholic storyline yet, have we? You know, in Dillon, Texas, that's surprising. I know. Uh, maybe, maybe that's what's on the horizon. Uh, isn't like Tim Riggins' storyline an alcoholic storyline? He functions pretty well for an alcoholic, though. Were you, when were is you, he ever just drunk, though? Were you surprised that when the cops came, that he, we assume he's 19 years old, right? 19, maybe 20. When the cops come in, Riggins Riggs, that he's still just standing there holding his beer? Like, who cares? Any 19-year-old or 20-year-old I know would be like shoving that in the under the hood or <laughs> under the car or something like that, trying to hide it. And he's just like, yeah, I used to be a ball player. Um, I don't well, know. He's going to be older than that. You forget that he's been drinking openly in public since he was 15. <laughs> At least. According to the Friday Night Lights <laughs> theory of time in the strip bars and stuff. Oh, he's yeah. been able to buy it. Yeah, he, someone called him Sergeant, remember? Oh, yeah. That just seemed to me, it's just like, he probably knows that he's in trouble when a cop walks in. You know, like, when a cop walks into your Riggins Riggs shop that 
has been a chop shop, you pretty much, like, underage drinking is probably the last of your worries, mm-hmm. you know? So, I'll, I'll, all I know is, I said this last week too, the Shield has corrupted me so much on cops. I was fully expecting that cop to run up and hit him in the head with a gun and start slamming his head in the hood of the truck. And I'm like, why is this cop just standing there with the gun? I'm confused. I don't know. Um, the, but, I mean, they did run in with the guns drawn and everything. I wonder if that's standard for Chop Shop, like if they <laughs> are considered that dangerous or whatever. Yeah, that guy off the left did have his weapon pulled, and he was he was aiming it at it. That's what Tim was just standing there like, are you serious? How were they supposed to know that he was involved anyway? Like, they knew his name and everything and where it was done, and he just came up, hey, are you Tim Riggins? You don't think about any stolen cars? Yeah, how do they catch the Chop Shop without catching the guys who actually stole the cars? Did they find a big hole in the desert? Was this was this after Kennard left? Surely Kennard wouldn't have turned him in. Kennard, whatever his name is. I don't know. I don't know. I bet that they found some. They probably found some skeleton of some car somewhere. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to face Landry's dad at some point, right? He's, is he still a sheriff, or he's just a sheriff's deputy? He's a sheriff's deputy, and they would they would be out of the city limits, I would think, looking from the yeah, what Riggins Rig looks like. It looks like it's out kind of in the country. Yeah. So, what did you think about the toothpick incident? I actually have never heard of that before. That I thought was pretty. That was a pretty good football prank. I like the toothpicks. The tearing up of the other field, I didn't care for. Because, and also, you, you mentioned this last week about how all the schools pretty much have practice fields. And we, were, and we decided that maybe East did not because they were so poor. But right. there is no way that West Dillon would not have a practice field. Mm-hmm. That's true. Because, yeah, they were out there on the turf, yeah. Yeah. I didn't think about that. You're totally right. And I, don't, so the, I can't comprehend the that there's – shouldn't have mattered, you know, because that's their last game of the year. They wouldn't have been yeah. playing on that field anymore. I mean, unless they play in the playoffs. Yeah, or practice on the baseball field, or go to Carroll Park. Yeah, yeah, Carroll Park. <laughs> but one of the things that I, I don't believe is, is that there's not another school with a, a field nearby that they could actually play on. If this is, you know, that somebody's away, so somebody else mm-hmm. is, is, you know, they're playing an, an away game, so their field to be open. Uh, I don't know if Dylan Tech has a field or not, but you know, there's got to be a JUCO within. 20, 30 mile radius there that they could go to as well. Well, I mean, they've already constructed a field out in the middle of nowhere for the Mud Bowl That's a few right. years ago. Yeah. You know what I was thinking? Is I was thinking they were going to make a geographical reference and say, we're going to go to Odessa and play at Ratliff Stadium. And that's, that's the first thing I thought. I don't know why I thought that, but I was like, that would be kind of cool for them to play in the home stadium of like the movie. But they didn't say that either. Of course, they've never referenced Odessa at all, I don't think, in the entire run of the show. So. Not that I remember. Um, yeah, I, I don't think like Dylan, is Dylan even in West Texas? Do we even know? I think they've said they were in West Texas, yeah. Yeah, they have said West Texas before. Um, it went like three hours to Austin, roughly, when he was yeah. going to – or where was TMU? In Austin. Okay. Yeah, right. TMU is in Austin. Uh, I don't know. I thought I the toothpicks, that, that's a lot of trouble to go to. You know, you're taking probably five hours 
to put the toothpicks out to call cost the other team two hours of practice time. Yeah. In that discussion, uh, you know, he fires you up and frustrates you, but I was glad to see Joe McCoy back there with his little crap-eating grin, I guess, so to speak, there, you know, because he, he knew what was going on. He knew the, the conflict that this was creating. And it, I was amazed sitting there watching the guys on each side of the table, and then you see the window, the pane glass window behind, and there are tons of people with signs, and, and it's like watching the Today Show with everybody standing outside on New York uh, sidewalk. Yeah, yeah, that was a bit absurd. I thought. <laughs> Are there that many people fired up in Dylan? Uh, no, I mean I think they would be that fired up over, but just to stand out, wait outside just for that discussion—that's a bit, a bit much. Even when they had, well, you know, in the real life when they did that coin flip, mm-hmm. in the real life incident they had to meet at a truck stop so nobody could know. That's true. <laughs> so maybe it would be, maybe it would be that crazy. They put it on closed circuit TV. You remember that? Because that's in the movie, but they, it's actually that's actually what happened. The coin flip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, didn't they have to do it so nobody would show up though? Didn't they have to do it at a truck stop for that reason? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they just wanted to be a, well, like a way for people because they everybody took three different coins and it was like odd man out or whatever is how they did it. So, um, yeah. Well, maybe they are that crazy then. So do you think that uh, that Tammy? Will she read the apology? Because we we left off where she had decided what she's going to do, but of course we didn't hear what it was. I think this I is think, the right time for uh, for Coach and Tammy just to leave town. Julie's graduating. Grace Bell's young enough. Like they're not. I mean, they've done so much for that community, and they just keep getting spit on. I would just leave. There'd be no way I'd want to hang around in Dillon anymore. I would leave and go far away. Yeah. Really, they could all get another job. He has a college coaching job on the resume. I agree. Yeah. I, I think in real life, she would read the apology and be done with it. No, but I don't think there's very many people who have that much integrity to lose that job over that. And here's the thing about the apology that I'm going to get is if, again, here I go with my analogy to people up. If this happened and it was speculated that's what happened, and then she came out in public and said that's what she did and apologized for it, I think that would be even like a bigger mess. You know, I think they would all, that's when they would be like, oh, well, let's, well, she's fired now. You know, like they would call for her head even more. After she'd already denied if, it. If she admits to doing it, you know, mm-hmm. and saying, oh, I'm sorry for it. And you know? she would get she would get knocked off of Tim Tebow's Christmas card list too. Yeah, <laughs> that's something to consider. Uh, yeah. But in, well, we can have Pam Tebow coming to speak in Tupelo in a couple of weeks. Seriously? Hey, there you go, Russ. You keep, no, I'm not kidding. You keep started, giving your speaking of the orchard. You keep giving your uh, Tupelo analogies. Do, would you consider it be impossible that? if a school administrator had done what she's being at least accused of and assumed that she's done, that they were, there would be protesters outside of the school waiting for her to come? Um, no. Nobody would be that gutsy to do that because we're not like a protesty town. But, I mean, it, everybody would just be like rumbling underneath. Yeah. And, you know, like, there'd be people calling her house, I'm sure. But, I mean, there'd be people... You know, everybody, it would be like the talk of every church in town and all this kind of stuff about how, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
I don't know. Should we not? Protesters. Should we not be seeing Becky's perspective on this? Some. I mean, there's articles in the paper about her. Or her mom. Her mom drove her. Her mom said, "This is what you're going to do." Yeah, I mean, yeah. shouldn't somebody be talking about this around her? Yeah. You would think. Um. Yeah, she has kind of come off scot-free about it, telling some older dude that she's in love with him. <laughs> Yeah, it's like five seconds later, it has no effect on her, and the entire storm is coming down on Tammy Taylor. Well, do you think they told who the kid was? I mean, do you think the article says this is the student? Because, you know, she's probably... No, it it couldn't name her, but there's got to be people who who know. It's a small town. If they know that much... you You know Luke's mom is going around gossiping about it with everybody. I don't know. I can see her trying to keep it true because I think Luke's mom would want to keep Luke out of the out of the firestorm as much as she could. Well, I mean, if they're talking about lawsuits and all this other kind of stuff, wouldn't they have to be getting statements from her? That's true. Somebody has to find Yeah, from Becky. From Cheryl. Yeah. yeah. It seems like so, she would come out and be like, you know, and just say, well, I guess she probably wouldn't come out or anything like that. But just that if she had to, it would be like, um... You know, we did this or whatever. You know, like, just at least mess up to it. There'll be some sort of, like, conversation with her in there. Right. I agree. I've got a couple uh, emails I was going to read. Anything else about this episode? I did not. I've seen the whole thing about the trucks going on the field and just tearing the whole thing up. That was way beyond believable for me for, for a number of reasons. I mean... No matter how much you hate another school, you just don't do that to their football field. There's just like a level of things that you do and a level of things you don't do. And and two, there's no way they wouldn't find out who that was in a small town like that. Right. Ten minutes. There's, it would take ten minutes for those guys to brag to everybody about it. Yeah. It'd be on Facebook. Everybody would know. Yeah, it would be on Facebook, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and two, it's, say state, that, it's state property too, so it's not like – I come and did something to your house. That's state property, yeah. which is, is a much Yeah, yeah I don't like how deal. the cops are just like, oh, well, I wouldn't think that it would be dealing people. Let's not jump to conclusions. I mean, I know they're football delusional and stuff like that, but that's just, I mean, that's, that's got to be, I don't know how much it costs to resod and put those goalposts back up. That's like $10,000 for the damage, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, And they just put that sod in that week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say, because this, we're close to the one episode away, it seems like the the writing for this whole season has taken a turn for a little too much to the extreme for me. I thought the beauty of the show, the first three seasons, was that it was like everyday circumstances. And it made you care about people who had everyday circumstances. Now we have murders, uh, principals losing their job over abortion, people running chop shops, uh, all this like crazy stuff uh, going on within one, things that aren't like, that much of everyday things, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, Russ and I have talked about it, wondering if they've had to cram 22 episodes worth of, of storyline into 13 and kind of, he and I discussed uh, the pros and cons of it actually in the comments on the, on the blog. Um, but I, I agree that there's, you know, watching that all the right moves song by, well, I guess it's Wonder Public in the video that somebody put together from the first three and a half seasons worth of episodes made me realize how much football we've missed. I didn't, I mean, I knew that we didn't see as much football, but going back and watching that and seeing 
how much either A, a football game, or B, preparation for football, we've not hardly touched near as much this season as we did any of the others. Yeah. Like, overall, I don't think this season was as strong as the other three. It's, yeah, well, it's a lot heavier for sure. Well, think about this. When you're talking about football, and we've talked about this before, uh, this episode was the first time I remember, and I, I might be wrong, but I remember seeing J.D. McCoy's face since, like, the Sun episode, you know? Yeah. Because, and it was just when they were walking out on the field, that's the only time we saw it. And and that's just, a, that's a whole lot of non-football stuff. It, think, you know, it seems like the football stuff is either practice shots or like fleeting glances at the game at the beginning or the end of an episode. And, and it seems like they had like four or five bye weeks this this season. <laughs> exactly. Well, so I don't know. It just seems it just seems like they've turned taken a turn for the extreme in a lot of cases. Yeah, without the yeah. football in the past, it was all the focus of how passionate the whole town was about football, so they could use football as you know a vehicle to advance all kind of other stuff. Speaking of J.D. McCoy, um, today is Jeremy Sumter's birthday. Just a little FYI. Oh, wow. Oh. So, well, happy I birthday. hope we get to see him next week. <laughs> I'm sure since we will. He's a, since he's a Friday Night Lights character, I'm sure we have no idea how old he is. Oh, actually, he's Jeremy. He's turning somewhere he's from 14 to 21 today. <laughs> he's a sophomore. Um, yeah, because he knew he was a freshman, freshman last year. year. Exactly. He's a freshman phenom. Yeah, I think in real life he's and, like 21 today, though. So. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. He's it's like Gary Coleman uh, or something. Or, or uh, Priestley and Luke Perry and 90210, because they're like yeah. in their 30s when the show is over. But that's yeah. um, in the, the difference between, like, I think Saracen and his character. I mean, Saracen and, and Zach Guilford and probably the Kitch and, uh, and Riggins is probably somewhat close to the same age difference. Wouldn't you expect? Because you're like, that's, that's five will, years. They, that's, they will never top however old Lila Garrity was in real life. Mika <laughs> Kelly, surely, surely was over 20 when she was supposed to be a sophomore in high school. I don't remember. At least that's what I kept telling myself. Well, you know, we thought she was a senior. That's <laughs> <laughs> what you kept telling yourself. Yeah, so I wouldn't feel so bad. How old is yeah. she in real life? Like late 20s, I think. Yeah, okay. I want to say she's like 28. Derek 29. Jeter is like 48 or 49. I mean, he's been playing <laughs> forever, so she's got to be pretty old. Uh, she's 29. I just looked up on IMDb. She'll be 30 in June, so... Okay, so there's more than ten years difference between when her how old her character supposed to be, or exactly ten years, because so she's a freshman in college. Well, she she was a third year senior, I think it looked like in uh, first three seasons. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she had to get those yeah. Vanderbilt entrance exams down pat. <laughs> um, two quick emails. One is from uh, Stephen, and he's written in with us before, and he says that he says, well. I guess after stealing thousands of dollars of copper wire and now running the chop shop, the logical consequence is for the Riggins brothers to get caught. For Tim, who didn't come up with either idea, but went along with to fall on his sword for both of them. Sounds like something Tim would do, but I really didn't want to see this happen. So is this the plan for Tim, going away for next season? Could he just join the Canadian Football League or something? Maybe it will lead to some story of redemption down the road. At least we get to see him rock the air guitar before they took him away. Overall, I thought it was a great episode, full of great conflict, and finally some comedic relief. 
And, you know, you guys mentioned that too, that this was yet again a, a deep and dark episode, but not as dark as it had been before. But uh, do, you, do you see that? Do you see him falling on the sword for his brother? I hope so. What's that? I said, do you see uh, Riggins, Tim Riggins falling on the sword for his brother and being able to let him go back to his family and everything? I don't know. I don't want him to go to jail. I just want him to get to that property and retire right across the tree line where the house is built. You know, after we recorded last, last week, one of the things that I uh, forgot to mention, I was thinking, wait a minute, Tim just left Skeeter there by himself and just took off. And then um, I was going to mention that as we recorded this week, but then here comes Becky bringing Skeeter back that up. So, and then here's, here's another thing about that, that whole, that scene right there. It was like, did you think it was just really oddly placed that he had a snow globe? And then we, I don't know that we heard hardly any mention of his mom. And he's like, my mom gave me that when I was little. And it's just very deep, like intimate, like, look at his life and then there's no reference to it ever again in the episode or there's no reference to it before and it's this weird comment that he kind of makes in a vacuum that's so you know it seemed out of place yeah 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 and then I don't know I don't know you know then we don't ever know anything else about his mom you know we know his dad wasn't a a good dad I guess he's been out on the island you know he's a lost character as well wasn't he Goodwin on Lost yep um, yeah. Then we got an email from Todd. He says, man, bad things just keep happening to these people. I can't stand it. I knew the Riggins boys' happiness was only setting us up for the big fall. I thought Vince would be the one going to the big house, but the season's not over yet, is it? Anyway, big problems seem to go away quickly in Dillon, like the Landry incident. Hopefully this one will too. I hope the Riggins boys can get off on a technicality, even though in the next episode, early enough in time for the next episode so they can see the Lions beat the Panthers. Tammy keep her job, events pay off the bad guys. Then it's Ewok party time. That's a reference to, <laughs> to, uh, to Lyle last week. He says, Eric was looking pretty tattered that Saturday morning. His hair was messed up. His voice was hoarse, and he was wearing shades, hungover. You bet. Before the series is finished, he'll be an Alcoholics Anonymous. And since when did he start calling Landry Lance? Um, if I wrote this show, I would have done it the way someone in your show suggested, have Calvin come back to the team to take Luke's place. But I guess that can't happen now. Maybe one of the other guys that walked out will come back with a vengeance for Wes Dillon. One last thought, when Eric smashed the ringy phone at the end, could it have been Riggins calling him from jail? Oh, I don't know. That that guy said the big house? Was that email from 1930? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) the big house. The big house. Al Capone, man. Was that Um, Prison Mike? Uh, I don't. If he smashed, that's too much of a loss type thing. From they smash the phone, and then they're like, you know, later on you find, out, oh, that was Riggins calling him. I don't think so. I don't think that's the front headlight style. I think they would have showed Riggins on the other end, hanging up, being like, yeah, dang. I'm sure Billy's going to go knock on Coach's door the next week, though. So. He can't, not unless he gets out. I didn't think yeah. with Billy. I didn't think he was locked up. I thought he was in the visiting room or whatever. Uh, he got he in not, the same. Look like that though. Yeah. They were in the same detention room. No, oh, okay. See, I mis I misread that. Um, I guess so because his name's on the lease too. Well, what, whatever happened to the bull that they bought? By the way, it was like supposed to be the face of Riggins Riggs. Shouldn't he be out front? Kit Kat. Yeah, Kit Kat the bull. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know what happened to Kit Kat. He's probably out on on uh, Tim's land now. Oh he's, yeah, he's got twenty five acres. 
Um, oh, and the, when did when did he start calling Landry Lance? That was from earlier when he first got on the team back in season two. Yeah, that was back when they were wearing blue and gold, man. He he was uh, he was on the team and he was with lot with like Tyra and killing people and all kinds of stuff like that. Boy uh, Landry, by the way, ain't got a chance with Jess. Not now. Not really. They never did. So you think she was just yeah. settling for the good guy? Look, a the dude, the other dude is a football star. B he's got the bad boy attitude. All that stuff. Come on, That's what Landry never had a chance. Yeah, they have a history. Yeah, yes, they got history. All that stuff. I'm interested to see. They're what both happens really good actors. You mentioned that scene uh, where he like gets in just face. I thought that was a very well acted scene. Neither one of those two had. Uh, a lot of scenes early on where they really were allowed to explore their character and explore their own acting uh, talent. But they've passed two or three episodes, including including this week's. They've really been able to uh, to expand what they've been able to do. And I've, I've been impressed. And I hope, you know, we've always said that Becky, she's not in the opening title sequence. So is she just for this season only or not? Where she, but she's still got a lot more screen time than uh than Jess had. But I'm I'm hoping that the three of them will continue on obviously the next season into season five. But uh we shall see. You know what else I noticed they never I don't think I've ever had Buddy Garrity in an opening title sequence either, which surprised me. No, if you watch in the in the opening credits it says guest starring or also starring. Yeah, I noticed that's the first time I noticed that today, maybe because I'm still on Buddy Garrity high or whatever, but like I mean that guy's pretty much a constant. Yeah, he is. Yes. Well, um, speaking of Buddy Garrity, we were able to talk with him, uh, Lyle, Pat, and I were this week, and uh, he uh, with Brad Leland, I should say. And one of the curiosities we had was: Is Buddy Garrity and Brad Leland are the two of them? Are they the same person? They talk the same, act the same, and I think suffice to say, when you're talking to Brad Leland, it sounds and feels as if you're talking to Buddy Garrity straight from Dylan. So let's let's listen to this interview we had with with uh, with Brad Leland, and um, we'll come back momentarily. Well, today we get to speak with uh, Brad Leland, everybody's uh, favorite uh, car salesman from and booster from Friday Night Lights. Uh, how are you doing, oh, today, Brad? Thank you. Hey, Blake. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that's one of the things I wonder. We've not been able to see uh, Buddy Garrity Motors at all this year. Is that is that not written in the script, or is that not in the sponsorship? I, you know, Buddy, I don't think Buddy's seen it either. He's looking for his – he can't find his – go to work. He's lost everything. <laughs> you know, he, he doesn't even know how to find Garrity Motors. But, um, no, there's actually a scene there, believe it or not. I'm not going to tell when. Okay. But I, I think figured. maybe we only were there twice this year, and maybe one of the scenes they did not use. You know, there's so many scenes and so many storylines that they go away. Uh, so, but Buddy is, um, I guess he's reinventing his life since everyone's gone, and he's trying to find a new, new home. So, Garrity Motors has been uh, struggling uh, as the... Uh, as the car business everywhere, I guess. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I figure if anybody's going to swing a government bailout, it would be Buddy Garrity. Come on, he could talk well, about everything. He's got good buddies that are uh, working on that. Actually, I was just on the phone with those guys a minute ago in real life, and uh, no, I, you know, I, who knows? <laughs> I, I, all I know is the writers may come up with better solutions than some of the other people in the world have. I don't know. Well, I thought car I business think. must be a little um, down when Lyle actually had to take a bus to Nashville to go to Vanderbilt. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> 
I sometimes we don't understand exactly. What, I don't know what happened to the little car I, that she had. I I guess it's too far for her to drive. She's still a spoiled rotten brat. That's the bottom line. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, Brad, we we enjoy your uh, your time on Friday Night Lights, obviously. But before Friday Night Lights, one of the things we wanted to see was what got you into acting to begin with. Oh my gosh, um, you know I really probably started when I was. My dad and mom and I were in Japan when I was just a baby and spent the first few years of my life over there after having been born in Texas, born in Lubbock, Texas, and then on to uh, Japan with my dad, who was in the service there. And, you know, believe it or not, we had, I had a pet monkey. Okay. Um, and growing up, all of the little Japanese villagers would come and watch the little American boy play with his monkey in the front yard. Um, and, yeah, yeah. And no, it was a chimp and, and his name was Miko, you know, <laughs> you guys are bad. Um, so yeah, no, but it was, I was the only little American in the entire village. So this was a novelty. And I actually think that making those Japanese people laugh and playing with my, with, uh, Miko out in the front yard sort of got that started in my blood because when I landed, my first day in the United States that I'm cognizant of was actually in Disneyland, and Disneyland had only been open two years, dating myself just a little bit. That's uh, that was about 1959, I believe. Okay. And uh, my first day in Disneyland, I had my uh, I had my little Western outfit on that my dad had purchased in Japan, and guns, the, you know, the whole nine yards, the hat, and and. Highly quality in those days, by the way. The Japanese were, were making really cool products for less. And, uh, so I had my little Western suit on and my boots and my hat and my guns, and I and I walked up on stage at, I don't think they even have it anymore, but they used to have a, a Western uh, part of Disneyland called the Crazy Horse Saloon, and I walked up on stage and, and sang the old song from the TV series Davy Crockett. And my parents were sort of surprised because, I mean, it was just sort of uh, out of the blue, and I walked up and did it and uh, took a little Japanese bow with my uh, with my little cowboy outfit on <laughs> and uh, and came, and it seemed to be exciting, and I really enjoyed it. And they were like, what was that? And I said, that was fun. And uh, so I, I don't know if that's where it started, but, of course, uh, I, my mother was a dance teacher. My dad was a basketball player. So my whole life was sort of a performing thing. And then, of course, like all young guys, I'm gonna, I, I was going to be an athlete. And, you know, that's that was it. So I played all the sports, and that's all I could think about. And I stopped the piano lessons, and I stopped the dance lessons. And now I'm not going to do that, that sissy weird stuff. And, uh, <laughs> of course, I, I would love to play the piano now, uh, you know, but quit that because we had to play sports. And then uh, and then by the time I was in high school, I uh, did... Uh, started doing all the high school plays, uh, the contest plays and all the musicals. And then by the time I was in, in college, I already knew because my, you know, my athletic career went away very quickly in high school. And, uh, so, so I just played for fun and, uh, and went right into the theater and never looked back. Um, I've met my wife of 32 years, uh, in the theater awesome. when we were 18 years old and did plays for many, many years on the road. And, um, Started there and then eventually became uh, got my first uh, my first gig was on Dallas and got got into the union and then my first movie was uh, Silverado, so it's been a long. That's fun one of my ride. dad's favorite movies, right there. It's my dad's favorite oh, movie, it was, Silverado. 
God, it was a great time, you know, and for a young actor, I was 28 and had such a such a wonderful time going to, actually getting to go to uh, Santa Fe, and it was snowing, and it was during Christmas time, and my wife and I were there. We didn't have children yet, so it was a dream come true for a young actor, and uh, uh had done enough plays, and, and it was really interesting to be with all those characters. Had actually done a workshop the year before with Kevin Klein, um, and so I re-met him on the set, and it just all seemed to be sort of this strange dream coming true, you know. And then, and then the truth happened. For the next uh, twenty-five years, you know, you uh, you work, yeah. and uh, <laughs> you you sometimes you work, and sometimes you don't. But uh, it's it's uh, it pays off. Uh, I tell you, I'm, it, nothing nothing could pay off like Friday Night Lights has. Really, well, it, it seems that you and Peter Berg have become good friends or at least good working you know buddies because y'all been on a, a number of projects together but was the movie friday night lights was that your first time to work with him yes it was and i i saw him in the lobby of a hotel and i had not had my audition with him yet and i just looked at him and it was kind of like you know what this i haven't even been called in for this role but i know i should play this role and i just looked at him and he was walking with his little entourage at the four seasons in, in austin and i and he sort of looked over there at me, and I just looked at him, and I just I sort of said, you know, I sort of waved as you do in passing to a person. And uh, and then I, I didn't even have an audition yet. And then, strangely enough, two or three days later, I had my audition. And when I walked in the room, it felt uh, it felt pretty good. And, you know, we did it a couple of times, and then he started doing his uh, his Pete, his Pete Bergism on me. And uh, I, I really started to, to have a good time with it then because... I really enjoy that freedom, and, and he said, all right, just throw everything away, and now you and I are just going to improv, and we're just going to do whatever we want. We're going to go with it, and uh, and at that moment, I, I saw what he was trying to do, and it was it was a lot of fun. It reminded me of acting class, actually. It, it's sort of like when the first thing you do when you're in a workshop, and you just, you're just sort of playing, you know? And, right. And that's what we do. So sometimes we need, we, we need to remember, instead of working so hard at it, that it's really play, so... That's how that started. Now, does that be your experience with him with the movie Friday Night Lights? I'm assuming that gave you a leg up on any of the other actors auditioning and, and, and reading for the television show as well. I, I, you know, I guess I don't know. I, I, I don't know that they. Uh, I really don't know if they if they went for other guys. Um, I, I, I just don't know. When the TV show came around, the next thing I knew, my agent was calling me, telling me that that there's a character that's the same guy that was in the movie. And I said, Oh, good. That'll be nice. <laughs> and, and that was, you know, he had a different name because in the film, all of the uh, characters were actually real names that they had cleared, you know, through legal. Mm -hmm. But for some odd reason, those boosters didn't want their real names used. Go figure. <laughs> and, uh, no, so actually my name in the, in the, uh, in the, in the film was John Aubrey, who was one of our producers' name is Sarah Aubrey. So they just took her name. I mean, I was, uh, I was just a fictitious guy. I was some booster. And, and then when Buddy Garrity, uh, was written, you know, we knew it was him. So I, I think I hey, found out later that Peter actually knew somebody maybe when he was a kid or one of his girlfriend's dads or, or something. But I think there actually was a Buddy Garrity that he took that name from. Okay. I, I'm not sure of the story on that. 
my question is, and I know you can't give away any spoilers, but but when is Buddy Garrity going to get his own show that's just all Buddy Garrity? Because I will be. Oh yeah. Oh well, you guys will be on it. You'll awesome. be. We'll all be. In, we'll just sit around and play poker at the um, at the dealership. That sounds um, awesome. I want my daughter. Yeah, yeah, we can do that, and then we can go out. We'll shoot some hoops, and uh, now that I've always wanted a, a scene with Buddy and all his boosters. Where where are they at the golf course? Where are they at the poker table? Where are they on their little side trips when they all go back to their reunions? You know, yep. that's 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 what I've wanted is some of that Buddy and his and his buddies. Other than just being at the football games. Uh, that would be fun. I, I don't know about uh, I don't know about the other. I'm not so <laughs> sure about the, the hey, buddy spinoff, but um, you know they've you? been coming up with great stories for me, and they've allowed me to uh, uh, really flesh out the character. And, and and I never wanted Buddy to be uh, you know some sort of stereotypical. Just you know, um, it, with TV, it's a slower process, of course, than with film or right. when you do a play. You, you know, you. you you get to give the whole character, but with TV, they certainly have taken a long time to to show you the uh, various sides to Buddy. But I've I've really enjoyed it, and they continue to give great stories and and then let us uh, let us tamper with it a little bit. So it's a lot of fun. I've had a lot of fun getting my my buddies' names in the show, where I can I can uh, sometimes we'll we'll be talking about team uh, players, uh, you know, and there'll be a list of names that Buddy's talking about. On the, in the script, and I'm like, uh-huh. can I use my my friends' names from high school? You know, and they're oh sure, you can change them as long as you don't give the whole name. So I've had a lot of fun with that. I, I can tell you a story that illustrates the popularity of Buddy Garrity. Oh this yeah, past Halloween. Oh yeah, this past Halloween, bunch of friends sitting around watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre on the big screen. Everybody's uh, very scared. The lights are off. Bam! Last five minutes, you play the truck driver. All the tension disappears. The whole room starts screaming, it's Buddy Garrity! <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, whoa. Oh, man, that was a rugged night. I love that girl. I, I can tell you Jessica Biel is a fantastic person and actress, and they put her through. They really put her through it on that picture. And I came in at the very end after they'd been there shooting for months. It was a German director, and he was... Uh, Oh, he was ruthless, and they created such a uh, an environment there. And it was outside of Austin. It was a, it was late in the summer. It was hot, and there were lots of lights. So the fields were full of bugs that were hitting those lights. So the place smelled like bug, mm. and it and it was hot, and it was absolutely miserable. And I watched them put that girl through just take after take, and just she was just at the end of months of shooting, and she was a trooper she was unbelievable and i was driving that truck which was a 1960 something semi and i actually had to do the driving and i had to back that thing up this little country road with no lights on the road and just looking out the uh, looking out the rear view and seeing the uh, bar ditch on each side and i had to do about 10 takes driving through this wet this you know fake rain and then back this truck up and it it was a uh, it was uh, quite an interesting evening. Probably one of the most difficult paychecks I've ever made. <laughs> Is it a big shift for you to do a movie and then after having been used to the Peterberg style of shooting? Because everybody talks about how he just says, okay, here's the idea, go with it. But then to, to move into uh, a, a movie set where it's more scripted, you have to hit your mark and everything? Oh, certainly. Oh, yes. I mean, it, it's a completely different thing, but that's what we were 
you're trained to do, and and this is this is new, and everyone's trying to, uh, you know, everyone's trying to copy this. And everybody, oh, how do you do? You know, how can you possibly do that? And and so all of these shows are attempting to do what we do, and it's really a collaboration between the camera guys and and the actors as well, and the sound guys. It's it's not just an actor thing because you really. Um, it, it's a difficult thing for for the people who light it and and the, and the camera guys and the sound guys. Very difficult for them, and a joy for us. But it is much. It's you know I've gone back and done CSI Miami and I've done a couple of other shows while we've been shooting Friday Night Lights and the old style is definitely um, it's uh, it's 180 degrees different. So, um, but you know that's the way we were taught and uh, you you try to. Uh, What's interesting is that we try to take some of what we've learned uh, with our style to them, and uh, I certainly do as an actor try to find uh, real moments in those lines as as exact as they must be, you know, which which they usually do. But uh, but it's it's good it's good for us too. It's challenging. As an actor, how, when did you feel that you began to own the character of Buddy Garrity? When you really felt <laughs> you knew who he was, and and then you could just close your eyes and go for it. Um, has that happened yet? I think so. <laughs> I, yeah, um, let's see, today, or maybe the next time I do it? No. Let me see, what's the answer? Um, it just seems like, or let me ask this, and how much of Brad Leland is Buddy Garrity, or do you have to, or do you feel y'all are similar in any ways? Um, you know, I think actors always, um, we find the characters in, with bits of our, you know, our own, our own lives sure. and our own experience, and so that's that's the goal. I mean, you can you can do it, and I guess if a character becomes believable, no matter if he's a, a bad guy or a good guy, or he's in the Wild West or he's modern day, if he's believable, then then I guess you've used some portion of yourself. Sure. I always say, you know, I, people, I you know, he is Buddy Garrity, but the people who really know me know, of course, that I'm not at all. Um, now, I will admit. I look exactly like him. Okay. And, <laughs> um, I sound like him a lot. So, um, no, you know, right right now, I usually lay it on a little thick when I'm Buddy, but, um, you know, I, I, I keep, uh, I usually don't do Buddy Soprano. I'm not, I'm not walking around like this, you know, trying new things with Buddy and wondering if, they, if it's going to work, you know, so... Um, one of the things I like about that character is it makes it so obvious that somebody on that show has been lived in a small town or grew up in a small town. Because I can name because I grew up in a you know a moderately sized town in Mississippi, which is a small town by other standards, and I can name right. so many people that remind me of Buddy Garrity, and just he yep. just embodies yeah. like my godfather is the mayor of Oxford, which has like twenty thousand people in it, and that man oh. spends the majority of his time riding around town in his car talking to people out the car window. Cool. I mean, that's what he I, And I know, I love, and that's uh, Ole Miss, right? Yep. It is, it yeah, is. Uh, yeah, I, I want to go to a game and be a part of that sometimes. They say that the uh, the Grove and that whole Ole Miss experience there wow. during a, just the, the frat it. guys and, 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 you know, dressed in suits. Yeah, well, let me tell you. I was there when B.J. Simmons dropped 661 yards on us, and it was no fun that day. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I, I can understand. I understand how well, that that uh, that is just a very unique uh, small football town, and and or a huge awesome. football town, but in a small space. And I, yeah, I would love to experience that sometime. I'm sorry. Oh, you got to come. We you can tailgate with us. We, 
Well, yeah, I will. I will. Um, no matter where I go, I can be in New York or San Francisco or, or wherever, and people come up, and it's not even just uh, the United States. People come up from other countries and say, this is my small town, but it was it was soccer. You know, um, Englishman or somebody from Canada coming up and, and telling me that this is exactly the same small town they grew up in, except it was hockey. And in the Midwest, it was basketball. So we found that to be very interesting. And what's cool is that the, the stories are universal. And it, it's usually not from big city uh, feelings, but but from smaller smaller towns where that's just the only thing they have. Okay. So One of, one of the questions that we, I wanted to ask, because I've always heard that the, the cast and the crew of Friday Night Lights is such a, uh, is such a family. Yes. I, but is everybody, do they work together? I know you work together well, but when, when they say cut and you're done with the set, does everybody still hang out and, and pal around after, the, uh, after the, the day is done, the work is over? You know, actually, we do that a lot. I was just with uh, Jesse Plemons, of course, who plays Landry Clark. I was with Jesse at the Philadelphia-Dallas game, just having a ball, of course, before we stopped having a ball in Dallas. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and so here we are, you know, I'm old enough to be his dad. In fact, I actually went to the same college as his dad. And and uh, so, yeah, we, we do that. And then, you know, interesting enough, I was with his uh, his his fake dad, who is Glenn Morshower, played played Landry's father on the show in uh-huh. season two. And uh, I was with him in L.A. just a few weeks ago. Uh, so we, we all keep up. And, of course, Kyle and I see each other a lot. And, you know, we have our tournament that we do, our charity tournament, Beyond the Lights, which we this will be our third third year for doing Beyond the Lights. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, so we play golf together and, and, and hang out a lot. And then, you know, I at the beginning of the season this year, it was funny because um, – uh, Kitch, Taylor Kitch, who plays Riggins, got a uh, got a new boat, and uh, Pete Berg was in town doing the first episode, and so here I was attempting to show off water skiing for Pete and Taylor, who you know Kitch is, well, you know we know what kind of athlete he is. Right. Of course, he's twenty twenty something years old. Kind of like, he, he reminds me of myself when I was that age. No yeah, doubt. Of course, of course. But um, <laughs> n- not really. But I had shorter hair. Um, no, so we, we do. I mean, well, here we were at Lake Austin and just having a ball water skiing on, on Kitch's boat. And uh, some of us attempting to ski like we used to. You know, you get to, you get to be a little bit older. It's not quite as easy as it was when you were a little younger. But we, we do it all the time and even go out. You know, we... Uh, we go out to eat, and uh, and we do events in, in Austin, in and around Austin, you know, journey out to San Antonio and, and take road trips together, and it really is, um, it is a family, and, and it really, there's really no, uh, we're all, we're all different ages, but, and, and all, a lot of, a lot of different interests, but we still, we still hang out together, no doubt. Now, you mentioned the, the Beyond the Lights charity that you and Kyle have together. Can you speak a little bit about that? Oh, yes. Um, started three years ago, and uh, it uh, benefits the Gridiron Heroes here in Texas. And then nationally, uh, we give our money to the uh, the largest research uh, facility in the world for spinal cord injuries, which is the Bonacani uh, Fund and Research Facility out of Miami. It's called the Miami Project. Mm-hmm. And Nick Bonacani, of course, uh, started it uh, for his son, Mark, uh, many, many years ago when he went down with a football injury. And Mark has continued this organization, and uh, 
they do the most research there there is being done right now for um, for spinal cord injuries. In fact, because of recent develops, uh, developments with uh, stem cell research, um, it looks like there's going to be a lot of people who not only don't have to go into wheelchairs after spinal cord injuries, but they, they really believe a lot of people who have been living in wheelchairs for 10, 20 years may be standing up and walking again. So we're excited to be a part of that. And it just happened one day when, when we decided we would uh, we would organize something to give back to the community. And Kyle and I were playing golf, and the next thing we knew, we were uh, we were doing this tournament, which happens in Austin. And this year it'll be good because it happens in May. Uh, it'll be beautiful weather, mm-hmm. and uh, it happens at the Hyatt. Lost Pines Resort there in Austin, just outside of Austin in Bastrop, and it's a family-oriented place. It's right on the Colorado River, beautiful golf course, um, and this year we're going to turn it into three or four events. It's not only be a classical uh, celebrity tournament, but we're, we're going to have a, uh, a disc golf tournament because they have a, a golf course there on the river at the resort. They have the uh, theme water park at the resort for the kids. They have this incredible spa for the wives. And so the night before, we'll have a pairings party. We'll do the uh, horseshoe pitching contest, which is way cool. And uh, then then the day of, we have um, top name entertainment, and we do a giant event. It's a scramble. And we have celebrities play with each with each group. So if there's a, and rather than go on and on about it, if anybody wants to uh, participate or sponsor or be a part of our event, it's, um, it's beyondthelights.org. Okay. Just... Uh, uh, just like that, beyond the lights, and it's uh, it gives a lot of information about the past two years and and what it, what it takes to uh, become involved. But we're we're really excited about this year. We've heard some really cool names are coming, and uh, it's always fun. Especially this will be the first year that we're actually in production. Uh, be shooting Friday Night Lights when we have our tournament. We've always been on hiatus, so mm-hmm. some of the some of the cast members have not been around, and the crew and and this year we'll all be right there in Austin. So it's going to be a tremendous event. Got a lot of actors and a lot of athletes, big name athletes coming in uh, to play in it. In fact, I can't I can't really divulge yet, but uh, there may be a couple of uh, Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl players that yeah. they like to play golf that may be there. For, for our event this year, and uh, so that's a little there's a little tease, which I you know hope it comes true. But Speaking we're, of Super we're Bowl. excited about Beyond the Lights, and you can go to that website, and it, it, you know there's a lot you can you can see the video of, of some of the fun we have, and so, you know about the charities, and 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 take a look at the uh, resort. It's a tremendous resort there. So yeah. Speaking of the Super Bowl, do you have a pick coming into uh, Sunday night's game? <laughs> You know what your dad says, I bet you can pick your friends and you can <laughs> pick your seat at the movie. But, uh, I, I um, you know, I think the Colts should win the game because maybe they're the best team. But for some reason, I think it's a God thing. I'm, I'm, I think there might be an upset in the making and the Saints win just because of, I don't know. I'm the hoping you're right. Be crazy. You know, I don't know. I I, uh, I love both teams. Of course, Drew Brees is from Austin. Right. Played at Westlake High School. And uh, he was a great quarterback here in Texas. And, and there's Texas players. And, and the Saints have always been, if if you, if you weren't a Cowboys fan or an Oilers fan, a Houston fan, you you, uh, you were usually a Saints fan if you were from around here. So I, 
you know, I just think it would be interesting for the Saints to win. I, I think they can. They'll have to stay, stay close all the way to the end of the game and then somehow win at the end. I don't think they will be able to change or, or rattle Peyton. I, right. I, I think that he's so smart that, that the guy, he'll get done what he has to get done, you know, and it seems like he always stays in the game. I think even if, even if they were able to somehow get to him, um, He's probably like far. He's just not going to come out of the game. Yeah. I I don't know if I have a prediction, but <laughs> I think that I think the Colts are probably the best team. But I, I kind of think the Saints might sneak in. That's what I think. Now, now on the golf course, you and Kyle Chandler head to head. Who who should I yeah. pick? <laughs> well, it depends on if I do the stupid thing and give him strokes like okay. I do. Um, <laughs> I've been playing longer, and uh, so he'll always talk me into a certain amount of strokes, and so I lose every time. Um, that's just the way it goes, you know. If, he, if we were just playing, then I would win. He seems like but such a serious like, guy. Does he have a comedic side to him as well? A fun? Side? Oh, he's like, he is. He and Taylor Kitch are cut ups, and we have a we have a great time. A quick, real quick, funny story about Kyle. He he he's, he'll kill me for telling this, but um, we were playing one day and. And uh, he has a he has a temper because he's very competitive and he acts as if he's he always you know he, he's very humble and and really a good athlete but he doesn't let anybody know it and so he, he's very competitive and we were playing one day and he he got angry and he threw his he threw his putter up in the air he was or he threw it no he was chipping and he was and I was on the green uh, Blue Decker and my our other buddy that plays the assistant coach, coach Mac. plays Mike McGill. Mm-hmm. He and I were standing on the green. Kyle was chipping up from under some trees, and he he duffed his chip and he, he threw his wedge above his head, and, and there was nobody around or anything, and it was just kind of a little, and it, it stuck in the tree, <laughs> and and he was already very angry about the shot because he duffed it. So, and then his his wedge stuck in the tree. And so he got another club out and threw it at the wedge to try to knock the wedge out. And, of course, it stuck in the tree as well. So now he had two clubs stuck in the tree, and he was furious. And Blue and I were laying on the green laughing, and uh, that made him even madder. So, but he learned a trick that day. I showed him how you drive the cart over under the tree. You get the pin. You get the flagstick off the Uh. green. You climb up on the top of the cart. You get the flag stick, so now you're 25 feet tall, and you can knock the club out. You don't have to throw your third club up there and get it stuck. <laughs> so it was a learning experience for all of us. I, you know, we we learned to have fun at golf and not get too mad. And Kyle learned how to get his clubs out of the tree. So that was fun. I, I've heard that. But no, he's a he's a great guy. He is so he is uh, he is fun and and kitsch. You know, those guys are crazy. We do a lot. We have a lot of fun things that happen on the set all the time. I was going to say I heard that the two of those guys particularly are the ones that like to go off script almost more than anybody else. And at first it throws people off and they get used to it. But um, that's, that's kind of their, their, you know, mode of operation there. Yeah, we do. We all do. And, 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 you know, they, they give us great stories. They give us these great scenes and then we sort of toss them out and find the real things that happen between two people. When you just talk and listen to each other, then you, you find some real emotion and, and that's how that's how we work, and uh, I uh, I enjoy doing that with all the characters. But of course, Kyle and I have so many scenes together that we do it a lot. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's funny. I've had a lot of scenes with with Kitch, who plays Riggins, and 
he's always chasing Lila. So, <laughs> yeah, there are a couple of confrontations. <laughs> I thought you are going to get in a fight. In season oh yeah, three. we've had so many of those over the years, and there's been so many times when Riggins came to Buddy's front door, and and Buddy answers the door, and there's Riggins, and we, you know, and this has happened so many times. And this year, it was actually cut out of the episode, but there, there Buddy goes, and he walks to the front door, and there's Riggins, and you know. All I could think of after four years of finding that boy at my door and not wanting, you know, liking Reagan. I mean, I like the guy. I just don't want him to be with my daughter. You know what I mean? I do. So, so, or but this buddy speaking. But, uh, but so, I, all I could think of to do was I just looked at him and I just started laughing. Like, I cannot believe you're at my door again. I cannot believe that this is happening again. I'm looking at you and... I started laughing, and he looked at me, and it, I think it was a surprise for him, too, so he started laughing, and we couldn't get to the scene. We just we just laughed at the fact that this was happening again, and it actually worked, and they really loved the, the way it worked because it was a new way of, a new twist to it, but they ended up just uh, not having time and, and shuffling them off to the bus station, and he took her to the bus station, but it was actually the scene right before when, when Riggins was uh, was wanting to take Lila mm-hmm. and Buddy wasn't going to let him. So we, we have a, we have a ball doing things like that. Also this year I had a fun time with Kyle and Connie because they had some scene in bed and nothing heavy, but they were having one of their discussions while laying there and the director sort of pointed to me and I was standing around the corner waiting to do some scene and he said, Brad, Brad, could do it, and he knew what I wanted to do, so um, I don't know which one of them hated it the most, but I, I ran in there and jumped in bed with Kyle <laughs> and, and <laughs> That's hilarious. The crew, the crew and uh, Connie, and of course, you know, I think they were all grossed out, but um, uh, it was fun. We, we have a lot of fun like that. Cool. I need that. You talked about Riggins continuing to knock on Buddy Garrity's door. Of course, there was a little flip last season when Lila was at Tim's, and you had to go knock on Tim's door to say, you know, right. send my daughter out. And I thought that was a big juxtaposition of what we'd always been accustomed to there as well. So, Yes, yes. And, uh, yeah, I love that scene. In fact, you know, when we shot that scene, Derek uh, Cheater was there. Uh, he, w- he was on the set that week because they were off. The Yankees didn't make it, uh, of course, to the playoffs that, that week. And... Uh, and he was there watching when we shot that scene. I remember that very clearly. We had a lot of fun that night. So are you going to the wedding? Mika and I don't, I don't know if there is one. <laughs> I just messed I up. really <laughs> think that that's some, one of those rumor deals. I mean, yeah. I, haven't heard, I haven't heard from my fake daughter. I usually hear from her on things like that. She'll, we, we text each other, fake daughter, fake dad, this and that. And I, and I haven't gotten any fake I'm getting married. You gotcha. So, How much, you don't get to hang out with your fake son-in-law? Yeah, he he is a great guy. He's probably one of the most humble and and gracious superstars I've ever met. I, I really like the guy. He uh, had to stop him from calling me Mister Leland. It's like, my God, you're Derek Jeter. What, what, you know, call me Brad, please. How much do we as fans not get to see? Like, what gets edited out? What gets cut? As far as like the storyline, that if we were to see it as a DVD extra, we'd go, Oh, okay, now that makes more sense. I think it would. I think it make more sense, but, but not all. But I think what's great about the show is that it makes sense even without those, and that mm-hmm. shows that the writers and the editors um, have have come up with with being able to make 
the same idea happen in 42 minutes? Because what happens is they give us scripts that are much longer than 42 minutes, and then we shoot all of this material, and it could actually be, you know, a show that's 60, 70 minutes long. And, of course, they, they just can't have that. So they, they edit it down, and many scenes are gone completely, and then some scenes are just pared down from... You know, being, I know there's been times when I've rambled on for minutes. Of course, they couldn't use all of that, but but uh, it, it sometimes gets you to the place you need to be. So um, there's a lot uh, in every episode. And in the beginning, I think you, you're always sort of like, oh, why, why don't they have that great scene in there? But then at the end of the episode, and the episode still tells the story, you're, you know, it's amazing that they're able to do that. And I'm always proud that they're able to make a great show, even though... You know, there's a lot cut and a lot changed, and uh, it, it is a, it's an ensemble piece. There's no doubt about that. Well, of course, we missed about six or seven episodes of season two just because of the writer's strike. How big of a disappointment oh, was yeah. that for you guys as, as actors, not being able to continue out the storylines that y'all had already been able to Oh, you know, since there's so much of a surprise for us anyway, we don't always know what is going to happen. Uh, and, you know, we usually get the scripts a, a week or two in advance, and that's it. And so we really never know too much. I mean, we, we, we may know a little bit about what might happen to the character that year, but they may always change that. So um, we really, for instance, I, you know, I didn't really know what was going to happen with Santiago living with Buddy right. and how that was going to play out. We were having a good time with it, and I knew that he would have been there the entire year because that's about all I knew and uh, that there was something that was going to happen and, and then when the writer strike happened all of it went away so we figured they ha- having never done that before we figured they would pick up where they left off and then when they just started fresh and, and you know people those questions were left unanswered but they started in such a, a good place and it was it was fresh and it was still our show so right. even though we miss characters um there's no reason they can't come back. I mean, I've, that's what I've always been a huge proponent of, is that just because these people graduate from high school doesn't mean that they, they have to be gone. I mean, we can see what Lila's doing in college or see what Scott Porter's doing, Jason Street's doing in his, his job in New York or, um, you know, whatever. It, it doesn't... I, I don't think they have to be gone from the show forever just because that happens. So that's one thing that's it, interesting about Dylan is that Dylan, Dylan stays there and people come back home, you know? If, if you weren't doing what you're doing right now, if you weren't being an actor, is there a dream job you'd have instead? Uh, well, I would, if I wasn't being an actor at all, if I, right. well, I would be doing plays if I wasn't okay. doing... Because I was say, it seems like you've got a, a chance of being a play-by-play guy for, uh, for a football team. <laughs> oh, that would be fun. I don't know about play-by-play. Maybe Call I it. could be third off-color guy or something. Uh, I, I certainly am not knowledgeable enough to do what those play-by-play guys do and, and get to see one of the greatest one, the ones in the world in Brad Sham here in Dallas. He's been the voice of the Cowboys forever and uh, get to watch him and, and then get to watch the guys in Austin who are great. Um, that would be fun for me to, to, to sit on the side and crack jokes and make comments. But to tell you the truth, um, I don't really know enough. I would have to do a lot of homework to be able to do that. But it, it would be fun. I, I, would, uh, I would be directing, and I have my own company that produces. Uh, so I would still be producing shows okay. and events and have always done that. Um, so I, I would I would do something along those lines. I I like um, 
I like speaking to groups too. And at this point, there's there's a lot to talk about. So that would that would be a lot of fun as well. Nice. Now you've had some coaching changes there in uh, at Texas Tech as well. Um, I was wondering, you know, what are your t- takes now on Tuberville? Are you excited about Tuberville coming in? I am. I mean, we have to be because yeah. he's a great coach, and we have no choice. I, I personally <laughs> love Leach. Sure. Uh, he, you know, I met him this year on the set. He, he did. A, he did. A, for those, I don't. I mean, I hate to give this away. People probably already know he's in. Uh, he's in a small scene. He's in a scene with the coach in, in the gas this station. year's uh, mm-hmm. season. And it was so much fun to actually meet him. Uh, I've been to Tech games, but I never actually met Leach. And he's a great guy. Uh, I, hate, I hated to see that happen because I think he's done a great job for the program at Tech. Um, but, you know, that's the way it goes. So we start over with another great coach, and hopefully he'll keep that same exciting offense because I, I think people have really enjoyed watching Tech. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, get close. And maybe this guy, he's got some defensive genius in him so maybe they can uh, push it over the edge and and actually do something you know it's amazing to me that they 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 get as good as they do because texas and oklahoma in the big 12 will always get the first picks that's true and tech gets these guys and somehow they're able to compete and you know two years ago we were that close and uh so we'll see what happens. I say we. I was, I'm, not I was, on the te- I'm not on the team. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I was actually a student at Ole Miss when Tommy Tuberville was the head coach, and that guy's a great coach. That's what everybody says, and um, I, we're excited about him. I, in fact, I think he may be coming to our uh, our golf tournament. A lot of the awesome. a lot of the Big Twelve coaches and the coaches around this part of the country will be at our golf tournament. In fact, what's funny is we we had invited Leach and. And then Spike Dykes, who was the former coach at Tech, and then we've invited Tupperville. So um, <laughs> that would be very interesting if all three of them were there. Uh, I, I have no idea if they will, but right. I know we've got uh, quite a few of the Big 12 coaches are going to be there, and uh, they, they like to play golf, so we'll, we'll have a big time. Uh, Mac Brown will be there for the horseshoe pitching. I was talking with Lyle earlier about if Coach Leach there at Texas Tech and then wondering, you know, with, with Coach Taylor having been shown the door at the end of Season 3, he did, Coach Taylor didn't lock J.D. McCoy up in a closet at any point last season, did he? <laughs> yeah, it was – I think his dad had already done that. Okay. Um, you know, I, who knows? Um, poor J.D., you know, talented kid, but uh, misguided. He lives in a ball That's all I can home. say. Well, um, I appreciate you being able to be with us. I know that you've got a busy schedule of things, but uh, we appreciate it as both fans and of the show and, and people with the podcast both that uh, you've been able to take time to be with us. Oh, my pleasure, Blake. And uh, nice to meet you, Pat and Lyle. And uh, thanks. Yeah, I'm gonna go try to. I'm gonna go try to get this Cohen Brothers picture. They're doing a new. They're doing a remake of True Grit. And uh, no way. Hopefully, I'll get Fantastic. to. Uh, yeah, that'd be fun. I'd like to play a little. Play a little Cowboys and Indians before we go back in March to do uh, season five of Friday Night Lights. But yeah, you guys uh, go to beyondthelights.org and check out our tournament. It's a cool thing. We definitely will. Thank you, Brad. Hey, thanks, Blake. So, Lyle, what did you think of being able to talk with uh, with Buddy Garrity? Well, when we were done, I said I needed a cigarette. It was one of the greatest moments of my life. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's my favorite character. He's always been my favorite character. It's, uh, it, 
you know, everybody pulls for the guy. He's the only guy that you keep pulling for over and over again who keeps doing horrible things over and over again. We know that one of the like, things he, we didn't talk about in the in the interview is like you said that there were some times, especially season two, maybe into season one, where I was thinking, man, you're you're, you're ruining things. Or he he was such a thorn at at times in Eric's side, but we still pulled for him. We still rooted for the guy. Yeah, like even Saracen who, you know, we've said a lot is the heart and soul of the show. Like, every once in a while, I was like, oh, Saracen. Or, you know, we're always doing those. Like, dude cheats on his wife, and you forgive him, like, almost instantly. And he gets in the fight that costs his daughter college education almost, and you end up pulling for him anyway. Like, I thought one of the most gut-wrenching moments ever in the show was when he went on that camping trip with his kids, and his Uh-oh. kids didn't want to be around him. I hated that for him, man. It was so awkward. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, it was man, that was gut wrenching. I was the same way. I was not. I didn't even think it was awkward. I just thought, man, these kids are mean. Like they are mean. And he was almost in tears, and he was telling, you know, talking to Lila, saying, "I've lost him. I've lost him, Lila." And she yeah, was, and it's. I mean, it's like Pat said, us being from the South, where everybody's football crazy anyway. Like I think we all know somebody like Buddy Garrity. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I know a lot more people like Buddy Garrity than any of the other characters. And he, like you said, that's yeah. amazing that he's he's never been on the cover of the DVD that I can tell. He's not in the opening credits, but uh, I would much rather see scenes with him than some of the other quote unquote regulars. Yeah, uh, Buddy Gary reminds me uh, a lot of a certain in law that I have <laughs> who always seems to think he's right and always seems to be connected to some political that you wouldn't expect. Dude, he reminds me a lot of that same guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Buddy Garrity's the most fascinating character for me, so he was the one I really wanted to talk to. It was Brad Leland. Well, yep. next uh, next episode we have the showdown, and um, from looking at back when they were filming it, I saw a couple of uh, tweets from some of the people that were involved with the show, and they said that was probably the coldest scene they ever had to film out there in the rain. And um, they said it was freezing cold. The people that were in the stands said it was freezing cold, and so. Uh, I'm interested to see if it's if it's another mud bowl, if the rain will play a factor in in the in the outcome, if Luke will play or not, if Luke, if Vince is playing with the death threat on his head, how how that comes out for him. Um, but I I want it to end on a positive note, but I'm just nervous that it, it's going to seem too unrealistic for for East Dillon to win. Have y'all seen the previews for next week? Does it have any football action in it? I haven't, I haven't watched them. Hmm. Have you? I, I, guess, I guess not if you're asking that question. I was scared to watch it. I was scared they'd show like a football in slow motion in the air and somebody going up to catch it and then like cutting off right before we see if they caught it or not. I was like, yeah, I don't want to see that. I think, I think I'm going to go the whole week without seeing previews just to see what will happen. Uh, you know, yeah, usually, I usually I like to see them, but uh, the season finale, I, I'd just rather be, you know, some people consider next week on whatever your favorite show is not to really be a spoiler. And I don't really, you know, usually I watch them, but I'd rather go without this time. The bigger question is, what are we going to do with our Fridays after next week? <laughs> because I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I suppose I'll do something lame like read books or go to the gym or some stupid crap like that. <laughs> Take a nap. Yeah. yeah. Well, Friday's my day off so I can spend time with like people that I care about. <laughs> oh, that's the worst. I'd rather spend time with people that are fictional. Me <laughs> <laughs> Well, I appreciate it, guys, for uh, for this episode, and we will uh, have 
another interview with uh, with next week's episode, and probably one in between that you can you can uh, click on uh, our iTunes link and be able to download as well. But uh, as we look towards the season finale, um, I, I'm just curious what's going to happen. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and also I just want to remind everybody that Russ is so confident that Peyton Manning will cover the point spread that he said he would shave his entire body from head to toe if the Colts didn't win and cover the spread. Shave or use an epilady? Epilady, I think was his exact word. So. And as always, if you'd like to contact us, we encourage you to email us at fnlpodcast at gmail.com. FNL Podcast is our Twitter handle, and we also have the phone number you can dial in at 662-659-0185. Thanks, guys. You sound like you're unsure about that. All right. Who that? <laughs> <laughs>